0: European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 40, Issue 28, Focus Issue, The Heart and the Brain, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia, read to you by Morgan Bryan. The Heart and the Brain, Cardiovascular Risk Factors, Atrial Fibrillation and Dementia. Physiologists knew for decades what cardiologists sometimes forgot that the heart and the brain intensively talk to each other in regards to health and can damage each other in a variety of cardiovascular diseases. Fight-and-flight reaction of the brain properly adapt cardiac functions to the body's needs, as much as anxiety and frustration can impair its performance. For instance, cardiovascular disease as such, but in particular metabolic disturbances, such as hypo or hypertension, can impair cognitive function. And in Takotsubo syndrome, Dysregulation of neurohumoral regulation severely impairs pump function and may actually lead to death. On the other hand, while the heart provides proper perfusion of the brain in hypertension, atherosclerosis, and atrial fibrillation, it may cause strokes of different size. The latter issue is impressively documented in the Fast Track contribution entitled Associations between Vascular Risk Factors and Brain MRI Indices in UK Biobank by Simon R. Cox and colleagues from the University of Edinburgh in the United Kingdom, who investigated associations of smoking, hypertension, pulse pressure, diabetes, hypercholesterolemia, BMI, and waist-hip ratio with brain macro and microstructure in 9,722 individuals of 44 to 77 years of age. A larger number of risk factors were associated with greater brain atrophy Lower grey matter volume, and poorer white matter health, but effect sizes were small. Higher aggregate risk factors were related to hallmarks of dementia risk, i.e., lower frontal and temporal cortical volumes, lower subcortical volumes, higher white matter hyperintensity volumes, and poorer white matter microstructure in association with thalamic pathways, with smoking pack years, hypertension, and diabetes showing most consistent associations. Thus, while effect sizes were small, these results emphasised the vulnerability of the brain to risk factors even in healthy middle or older age, and the potential to partially ameliorate cognitive decline by addressing these malleable risk factors. Excessive arterial pulsatility may contribute to cognitive decline and risk of dementia via the fragile cerebral microcirculation. This is discussed in the fast-track paper entitled Carotid Artery Wave Intensity in Mid-to-Late Life Predicts Cognitive Decline, the Whitehall II Study, by John E. Deanfield and colleagues from the Institute of Child Health in London, United Kingdom. The authors studied a cohort of 3,191 mainly male individuals of around 60 years of age. Mean adjusted 10-year decline in standardized global cognitive score was 039 Higher forward travelling compression wave intensity at baseline was associated with accelerated cognitive decline during follow-up. Compared to other participants, this group was approximately 50% more likely to develop cognitive decline even after multiple adjustments. Thus, elevated carotid artery wave intensity in mid to late life predicts faster cognitive decline in the long term, independent of other cardiovascular risks discussed above. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Michael Freneau from the University of East Anglia in Norwich, United Kingdom. Furthermore, atrial fibrillation, with or without hypertension, is generally regarded as a risk factor for dementia, though longitudinal studies assessing this association were inconsistent. In their article, Risk of Dementia in Stroke-Free Patients Diagnosed with Atrial Fibrillation, Data from a Population-Based Cohort. Bo Yong-jong and colleagues from the Yonsei University in Seoul, Republic of South Korea, aimed to determine the effect of atrial fibrillation on the risk of developing dementia using a longitudinal, community-based and stroke-free elderly cohort of 10,435 participants aged 60 years or over with incidence of atrial fibrillation. After adjustment, the risk of dementia was significantly increased by incident atrial fibrillation, with a hazard ratio of 1.52, even after centering for stroke. Incident atrial fibrillation increased the risk of both Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. Among patients with incident atrial fibrillation, oral anticoagulant use had a preventative effect on dementia with a hazard ratio of 0.61. Thus, in an elderly population, incident atrial fibrillation is associated with an increased risk of dementia independent of clinical stroke and oral anticoagulants being protective. These important results are further discussed in an editorial by Stefan Oswald from the University of Basel Hospital in Switzerland. Anticoagulants, both vitamin K antagonists and novel oral anticoagulants, reduce stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation. However, their effects on dementia are unknown. This is addressed in an article entitled Less Dementia and Stroke in Low-Risk Patients with Atrial Fibrillation Taking Oral Anticoagulation by Leif Freiberg and colleagues from the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. They investigated this in 456,960 individuals with a hospital diagnosis of atrial fibrillation. After exclusions of patients with a baseline CHADS-VAS score greater than 1, not counting female sex, and those with a diagnosis of dementia or intracranial bleeding, 91,254 patients remained, of whom around half used oral anticoagulant at baseline. Treatment with oral anticoagulant was associated with 12% lower risk of dementia after adjustment for death. The benefit was restricted to patients aged over 65, whereas treatment of younger patients without risk factors appeared to be harmful. Thus, low-risk atrial fibrillation patients who take oral anticoagulant Have lower risk of dementia than those who do not use oral anticoagulant, while older patients benefit from oral anticoagulation irrespective of stroke risk score. These novel findings are put into context in an editorial by Jela de Maester from the University Hospital Leuven in Belgium. Stroke is another important clinical event associated with cognitive decline and death and, among other causes, an open foramen ovale is a risk factor. In their clinical review, patent foramen ovale closure for secondary stroke prevention, Mohamed Akouli and colleagues from the West Virginia University in Morgantown, United States provides a contemporary overview of the anatomy and pathophysiology of patient foramen ovale, the available diagnostic tools for the assessment and risk stratification of patient foramen ovale, and the current and future landscape of patient foramen ovale closure devices and their optimal utilisation It also summarises the current data on patient foramen ovale closure for stroke prevention and discusses the remaining open issues in the field of patient foramen ovale closure. Microcirculation is not only important in the brain, but also in the heart, for instance in ST-segment myocardial infarction, minoca, heart failure with preserved and reduced ejection fraction, amongst others. Continuous thermodilution is a novel technique to quantify absolute coronary flow and microvascular resistance. Notably, intracoronary infusion of saline elicits maximum hyperemia, obviating the need for adenosine and other vasodilators. In their article, Continuous Thermodilution to Assess Absolute Flow and Microvascular Resistance, Validations in Humans Using 15OH2O Positron Emission Tomography, Paul Knappen and colleagues from the University Medical Center in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, validated continuous thermodilution in humans by comparing invasive measurements in the left anterior descending and the left circumflex artery using a dedicated infusion catheter and temperature pressure sensor-tipped guide wire to H2O15 positron emission tomography in 25 patients. Invasive and non-invasive measurements of adenosine-induced hyperemia flow and microvascular resistance showed strong correlation with an R-value of 0.91 and 0.85 respectively. Absolute flow and microvascular resistance also correlated well between measurements with and without adenosine and showed good agreement. Thus, continuous thermodilution is an accurate method to measure absolute coronary flow and microvascular resistance. The implications of these findings are further elaborated on in an editorial by Adrian Banning from the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford, the United Kingdom. Comprehensive data on research undertaken in cardiovascular medicine can inform the scientific community and can support policy building. In a special article entitled Hot Topics and Trends in Cardiovascular Research, Karin Arcipido and colleagues from the University of Leuven in Belgium Use the publication output from 2004 to 2013 and 2014 to identify topics and trends in cardiovascular research. They identified and labelled 175 cardiovascular topics and 20 large document clusters with concordance between the approaches. Overarching, strongly growing topics in clinical and population sciences are evidence-based guidance for treatment, research on outcomes, prognosis and risk factors. Hot topics include novel treatments in valve disease, coronary artery disease and imaging. Basic research decreases its share over time, but sees substantial growth of research on stem cells and tissue engineering, as well as in translational research. Inflammation, biomarkers, metabolic syndrome, obesity and lipids are hot topics across population, clinical and basic research, supporting integration across the cardiovascular field. They conclude that growth in clinical and population research emphasises improving patient outcomes through novel treatments, risk stratification and prevention. Translation and innovation redefine basic research in cardiovascular disease. Medical need funding and publishing policies as well as scientific opportunities are potential drivers for this evolution. The issue is further complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In the first, entitled The Impact of Naturally Generated Particulate Matter Emanating from Desert Dust Storms and Cardiovascular Pathophysiology, An Alarming Worldwide Reality, Alberto Dominguez Rodríguez and colleagues from the Hospital Universitario de Canarias in Laguna, Spain, commented on the published article Effects of Gaseous and Solid Constitutions of Air Pollution on Endothelial Function. Thomas Mutzel and colleagues from the Johannes Gutenberg Universitat in Mainz, Germany, who authored the article in question, respond in their own contribution. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.